Happy Mother's Day, everyone. I think perhaps, though I don't know everything that's going on around here, one of the newest, maybe the newest mother, Lauren Bowen. Did we hear this? Matt and Lauren had their baby. Yeah, that's so exciting. It came to my attention. I have no details whatsoever. But cat's out of the bag. So rejoice with them and let's pray for them as we uh, think of them this week and that great new life that's come. And today we're going to open up the word as we carry on in our study of Ephesians uh, to Ephesians 4. And we're going to Ephesians 4, chapters 17 to 24. And in this passage, we're going to see a, a, a tremendous fundamental principle about what it means to be a real Christian, right? What does authentic Christianity look like and what can we do to be more of that ourselves? What can make me live the life that I was created to live? I need some help and this is where we're going to find it in Ephesians 4, 17 to 24 today. And in here, Paul tells us something to do not do. Is that a way that you can't say that? You can't say do not Something not to do. Let's put it that way, right? So he tells us something not to do, and he tells us something to do. In verse 17, he says, he gives us a warning and a correction. Basically, he says, do not live like you used to do, because it's a destructive pattern. And then he goes on to say what we should do in verses 22 to 24. We're going to see, he says, basically, shake off the old you, those ways that deteriorate your life and leave you worthless, and put on the new, the real you, the real us that brings growth and purpose and value. And we hear about that challenge, don't live like that, and do live like this, and we all want to say the same thing, right? I know it's, yes, of course, What else would we do, right? We want to say yes, but even as the words come out of our mouth and we look at our life and what it means to be an authentic Christian, we know that it's difficult and it's hard and it's a struggle. So how do we actually do those things? How do we actually stop living a life of uh, old? And Paul is going to help us to understand how we can do that. And the one thing that he says, he says, we can say yes to God's way by saying no to our old way. And we want to take action in regards to this today. And I pray that you will receive this as from the Lord himself into your life and circumstances this day. So as we've been going through Ephesians, we've seen that Paul has been building this case, right? In the first half, chapters 1 through 3, he's been building this case about all the good things that God has done and what it means to us. The rich spiritual blessings that became ours when we entered into that relationship and became Christians. So chapters 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, and 3, all that God has done and all that it means to us. And then in chapters 4 to 6, he's going to talk about how we do that. What are we supposed to do in response to this? And that pivotal moment was in Chapter 4, verse 1, you remember that he, he turns the corner from all the good things we have in Christ to what we're supposed to do in response to that when he says this in 4, 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And this is where we are today. We're moving right into that for the next several weeks. What are we going to do about this and what can we do today? Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us, shall we? 
Lord, we know that if anything good is going to happen in our lives, it's going to be your work. And uh, we just call out to you. Help us, Lord. Make us so aware of that awesome transformation in our life that we would actually act upon it and live as if we were changed, Lord. And we pray that you'll enlighten our hearts so that we can really understand the incredible love that you have for us, Lord. Remind us afresh this day. Help us to grow up and become like you, uh, just like we were created to be and doing your work, Lord. We want to serve you and we want to be productive in the kingdom, Lord. And we want that result to be that through us, through our lives, our actions and our words, that the world would know that you are here and that you're alive and that you're active, Lord. So as we open up your word, do these things in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's read the word of the Lord, Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. And this is what Paul says to us. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, you did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. God bless the reading of his word. It's rich and there's so much there. But the one thing that I drew out of this immediately is that we are called in this passage to remember some things. And to remember especially, it's helpful to us and important to remember the old days and the old ways. And sometimes you want to say to yourself, well, I'm not going to remember the old days and the old ways because uh, I don't want Satan to harass me about those things. Those things are dealt with. And indeed, they are dealt with at a certain particular level. But there's something valuable, we are told here in the Word of God, to remember and to not forget. What was the old like? Can you remember it for yourself? Your old way, your old patterns. And what does the new mean to us? Where am I going now? I had this kind of just jump up into my consciousness uh, just last week and something amazing happened to me and my family. We live on a very steep hill and our house is situated right on the corner of this very steep hill. And when I bought the house, I said, wow, that's a very sharp corner on a very steep hill. I wonder if anybody will ever crash into my yard. And we've kind of been waiting for it ever since. And guess what? Last week was our week. After six years, this young man crashed into our yard, into our bushes, hit our big brick mailbox, and then guess what? He took off. Can you believe it? We've been sort of waiting for this. and in, But in this one instant, I got some pictures there. You can see, kaboom, right? Oh my gosh, that was a big, big, heavy mailbox. 
and he blew it up. And in that one instant, the sights and the sounds of it just brought out this incredible sort of a sense of anxiety and reminiscing about the old ways. And you know how God does this, right? Sometimes he gets our attention through just a, a, a gentle kind of a whisper, maybe you might describe it. And it comes in the word when you're in the word and something just comes to revelation in your heart and mind. Sometimes it's a life challenge and he captures your attention about something uh, through maybe a health issue or a work issue or sometimes he uses your spouse, right? We need our spouses and uh, our mothers, right? Happy Mother's Day. Sometimes these things also though, they come and they just kind of crash into our life in this very human, physical, solid way and it happened to us in that moment just a couple weeks ago. You know, the sun had come out and it was starting to get, uh, you know, warm and we were so excited for spring and all the neighbors were out doing their yard work and Wendy and I were doing some spring cleaning. I'm so excited. And I was running through the house and I heard this familiar sound, a car accelerating down that one section. And we always listen for it. And you hear it accelerating and you're like, that's too fast, right? And then it, and then it slows down. You're like, okay, good job, right? But this time I was like, could it be? Could it be the day? And the, and he's gunning it. And it's like, and I was like, oh my. And sure enough, the squealing of the tires, the impact of the rubber on the curb and the rims and the wrenching you've heard, if any of you have heard an accident i know that sound and so it just all of these emotions came up as i heard that sound and then boom as he crashes into that mailbox and he hits that brick wall and by the time this happens in an instant right and i'm like kind of in the garage there's one garage door shut and then the next one's open by the time my head pokes around i'm just right in that instant and dust is settling and the car is there just for a brief instant and all i can think in my mind right is what is he going to do? What is he going to do, right? And and I was like, no, please don't do it. It's not worth it. But sure enough, brrr, he punches it and he starts trying to move that dilapidated on its rims, you know, up the hill. I'm like, no. And I'm running like, don't do it, right? Stop. It's kind of all in slow motion. And the neighbors are like, you know. And the UPS guy is there and he's like, what? And there's a, oh my gosh, there was a biker. And I, this is not funny. Ten seconds earlier, he would have been right in that position on that corner. And the whole situation would have taken on another, another direction. We stand at that mailbox every day. Sadie and I and the family were at that mailbox every day. And God was merciful. But as he pulled off, I just had this incredible sort of like a Groundhog Day moment or maybe like the Truman Show. You know those two movies like where you're like, this has happened before. And the reason that I felt that way to me and the reason that all I could think of is like what is going through in that kid's head is because you've back backtracked 29 years. I can't believe it. I'm a middle-aged man. 29 years, spring night, me and my buddies drinking beer, we go to the basketball game, pile a bunch of kids in our car, and we're heading out to a party, and I'm getting all rambunctious, and I'm gunning it around the corner, and I slide off the road, into the curb, over the grass, into the bushes, and boom, I hit the brick wall of my life. One of many, many brick walls that I ran into in that old way of life. And I tried to desperately drive off, and I'm like, but mine wouldn't move, so I was stuck. <laughs> Cars destroyed, 
So in my enlightened state uh, that I was in, uh, what do I decide to do, right? What any logical thinking person would do? Gather up the liquor and split, right? <laughs> and go to my friend's house, get in his car and go to the party and get more drunk. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I'm glad mom's not here. Gosh, <laughs> happy Mother's Day. I was thinking about that as I was preparing. I was like, oh, she'll be gone. Hallelujah. But the, ch- the challenges of those days and the futility of it and the agony of it. And we laugh about it. But when you're in the middle of it, it's just brutal and it's devastating. And we can kind of laugh about it. But sometimes the officer who came and talked to us, he told me the week earlier he was in the same situation, but he had to witness A daughter dying in the arms of a father from someone who went into the grass and struck the child. And so you say, wow, this is serious. This is a big deal. And all of those emotions and feelings flooded me like, you know, you smell a smell and like you can't. It happens to you. You can't stop it. All of a sudden images and and people's faces and memories flood into your into your life. And that's happened to me. And I kind of felt this pang of regret and sort of shame, but it quickly, almost immediately just pivoted over and transitioned and melted away and replaced, right? With what? That shame and that sadness just moved right over into this incredible sense of peace and joy and gratitude. And I I just can't think of anything else except for this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that that is behind me now. The old is gone for me and the new has come and I'm so grateful, right? And so this is all happening to me and it's continuing to kind of happen. You know, I, I, I was working with the brick mason who came and this is a great part of the story. The brick mason came and for about three days, I'm all up in his face bothering him, you know, and he went to Sunset High School. So I'm talking his ear off and he's resonating. Oh yeah, I remember that guy. He was crazy. You're an idiot and all this stuff, right? <laughs> And I'm telling him about, you know, I did the same thing. And, oh, I felt so bad for the kid and da-da-da. And he's looking at me and he finishes up on the third day. He's washing off his brushes and he's getting it off. And he'd seen my family. We'd really loved on him. He's an awesome guy and complimented his craftsmanship. And we took a picture. You see? There he is. Awesome. And there's the new mailbox, right? And uh, as he's, like, loading up his truck to go, so he says to me, so let me ask you something. What happened? And I'm thinking, what do you mean? What happened? Like with the court case or, or or what? And he said, no, no. What happened with your life? Things have obviously changed for you. And like kind of out of the blue. It's funny. It feels like out of the blue. You're praying for things and you're asking for them. Then out of the blue, this moment that you think might happen someday. And it wasn't exactly like your life is so different. Tell me what's different about you. It wasn't exactly like that, but it was kind of like that. It was like an opening of a door for a spiritual conversation. And I was able to say to him, yes, my life has radically changed. I was telling you those stories, but you know, I had this spiritual encounter. I heard this message and everything changed for me and my life is new. And I was able to run and get my little book. You know, there's a book back there with this story in it and, and the good news because I'm like, oh gosh, this is perfect because I can give him this book and I showed the good news is right here. This is the message that changed my life and I left it and hopefully we'll stay in touch with him. But you know, I thought about this moment and I was like, you know, this is the moment that I was created for. This is what real life is all about. No shame, no guilt. 
a, a, a moving and a growing in the things that God has created me for. And that story of my foolishness, it, foolishness, you know, it just kind of came full circle. And, you know, it reminded me of the change that he made, which is what this passage is quite a bit about. It, it reminded me of that great change. But it also, it was this moment of redeeming work that I got to participate in. And it was awful. It was awesome that all of that foolishness, you know, he turned it around and he redeemed it and he used it. And, you know, I just don't ever want to go back there. Right. And I'm so glad that the new has come. It is so much better. And that is exactly what Paul is trying to convince us of today. It is so logical and it is so good. You remember the old way and how miserable it is. So don't live like that anymore. There's a futility in the thinking of it. Keep growing and growing up into the new that you were created for. That's living, he says. And then he goes on in Ephesians 4 and he says exactly that very same thing. How do we live? How do we not live? He gives us two appeals. And they're both because of what God has done. And that's the foundation of it. Because of what God has done in verse 1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We talked about that the other day. So first he tells us at the start of the chapter, this is how you are to live. And now he's coming around and saying, because of what God has done, this is how you should not live. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. And Paul is so determined about it here, right? And he tells us, he's like, I'm telling you. And he's like, wait, I'm not telling you. I insist on it in the Lord even, right? And so what he's doing there, he doesn't do it that often. But right here, he's just pulling out his apostle card. He's like, God said for me to tell you, right? And it's like, in Jesus' name, I insist. You must not live the way the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So why is he so stressed out about it, right? Isn't it just common sense that you wouldn't do that? Here's an embarrassing illustration, right? You got two paths, right? And you can't walk down both of them, right? Because, ouch, right? You can, like, it doesn't make sense. You get split apart at the seams. Why would you live like that? You can't walk down two paths. And then he goes on to say, put off the old, put on the new. Do not live as the Gentiles do, Do this, put off the old and put on the new. And today we ask ourselves, will I live a life worthy of this calling that God has given me? When I say that I am a Christian, will my life and my hands work and the words of my mouth reflect that that is the case? Paul wants to help us. To make that the case. And here let's start off. I'm going to give a couple of principles and a little definition to kind of set a foundation for the discussion and we'll go right into the text. But the first thing, and we've talked a lot about it, is that Ephesians 1 through 3 says it, you need to know what God has done for you. You need to know what you were and what you are. And we're going to continue to talk about that all the way through to the end of Ephesians. And it's throughout scripture. So we're going to just keep talking about it forever. But he's, it's this. Always remember, always remember, always remember. Never forget. And the, the, the sacraments, maybe that's not the best word, but the two, two things that we recognize here and, and operate in are baptism and communion, right? And baptism is that physical uh, illustration, an outward expression of that 
internal reality that we are dead to self, alive in Christ. Baptism reflects that. And then we exercise in communion like we did earlier. And communion, you remember really in its simplicity is Jesus said, remember me. Remember what I've done. Remember what it means to you. And remember what it, what it says about your future. So know what God has done for you. And part of that is this. Know what salvation truly means, right? And we talked about this almost every Sunday too. We gotta remember and know what salvation really is. We came from something and we came to something, right? We came from this shame and guilt and sinful life and patterns. From that powerlessness to do anything about that. From, from a, a, a sort of a futility of life, a pointlessness and a fear about life and a fear about eternity. We came from that and we came to this thing. We're forgiven. The shame is removed. We are not powerless anymore. We have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. So that we have the possibility to do these things. We can't do it in ourselves. Now we have the Holy Spirit of God. And we have a trajectory, a clear point in view. Heaven is our home. And in light of that, we live in between now and then. And that's a significant part of it. So know what your salvation truly means, right? And that it is complete. This is another important part of understanding our salvation. It's complete. It's not like... Kind of here's where you are and started and we're just going to make an improvement on that, right? A good illustration is the people of Israel when they were in Egypt, right? At that time, they were in Egypt and they belonged to the Pharaoh and they were slaves. But God said, no, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to take you out of Egypt across the Red Sea through it. And you're going to be on the other side and there you will be mine now. So it is not Egypt's going to get a little better for you. He didn't say that, right? Just hang on in there. Going to make some steps and it's going to get better. It's not Egypt plus. And it's it's not like, hey, let's start with Saturdays and Sundays, right? And we'll kind of do a timeshare here. Saturday and Sunday, God's man. Monday to Friday, you know, you're with the Pharaoh. No, it's a total transformation. We have to remember that, that this is our position. We are transformed. We do not live in the kingdom of darkness. We live in the kingdom of light. It is a new birth. You are a new creation altogether, the word of God says. So those are some important principles as we look into this passage. And the other thing I just remind you is that about this word Gentile, so that it doesn't kind of lock us up and confuse us from moving forward. It just means all the other nations of the world. In the New Testament, when it says the Gentiles, it means everyone outside of the kingdom of God. You have the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of the world and everything outside of it, that's the Gentiles, right? And those systems. But here in this passage, it's important to remember that it also means something else. It also means us at some point in our life, right? This is what you once were. And we got to remember that when he's talking about the Gentiles, he's not saying like, This is you and this is them and we're going to pit each other against them versus you. It's like, no, this is you and this is also this is what you once were. And so that'll help you as we think about what Paul is saying here. And then by warning us not to live that life, of course, it simply implies that believers are going to be tempted and be dragged in and find themselves living and acting as if they were still lost. But who would do that? Right. Who would do that? Who could be so ungrateful? That after receiving all of those good things, right? 
the very things that trapped us in the first place that you go back to them? It's ridiculous. Am I right? Who would do it? And it's not only ridiculous, it's just mindless, right? It doesn't make sense. You can't walk down two paths, right? We know that. So why even try? But who does it? Well, we do it, don't we? Otherwise, why would Paul have warned us and insisted in the Lord about it? Because it's important. The Israelites did it when they were coming out of Egypt, almost right away and all the way through. And they're so annoying, but so are you and me, right? (laughs) If we'd only died in Egypt is what they said. To Moses and Aaron, right? Maybe we should have just died there and in the wilderness. Why does the Lord bring us to this land to let us fall by the sword? You know what we should do? Let's choose a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. That's an awesome idea, right? Because it was so great there. But they hardened their hearts and they rebelled against God and it's true for us too. And we are in danger Day by day, moment by moment of doing the same thing. And for me, you know, I know this started for me also. Immediately after my conversion, I was radically transformed, healed of my addictions, testifying, seeing God work. And then one day, early on, I go to a party, have one beer, have another beer. Next thing you know, I'm completely wasted, acting like a fool. And I'm like... Coming out of that bottom of that downward spiral of that night, waking up the morning, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's over. What just happened to me? I thought this was going to work. And look at me. It's a disaster. And I was so ashamed of myself. And I didn't know what to do, but I I, I knew what to do. I just went to dad. Thankfully, I, I've got this dad who's so awesome. There are people around here that will fill in for you if you don't have a dad like that. But I was like, dad, what's going on? I thought you said this was going to work. It's your fault, you know? <laughs> Not really. I didn't say that. But I'm like, what is going on? And he did exactly what Paul is doing right here. He started to teach me gently and generously, but firmly insistent on some things, right? About this thing that's called sanctification is what we're really talking about here. That growth and the maturing and the process and the ongoing work of the cross. And this is what he said to me. These words he said, I want you to remember this, Andrew, because it'll help you. He said, you've got to remember that your position is secured, but the process is critical. Right? Your position, who you are in Christ, it's secure, right? In the eyes of God, he looks at your life and he doesn't see all the garbage. He sees Christ and you are righteous and you're holy in your position related to eternity and in reality. But then we have to live this life and become more and more like that. And that's why we have this warning, right? I insist on it. Don't live that way anymore. And the reason the warning is there is because it's happening today. It was happening then. Then... And it's happening in us, right? So we got to deal with it. And the next question that kind of comes up is if our position is so secure, right? It's kind of dealt with and it's like once and for all. Then why is it so important that we don't walk like this in the way that the Gentiles do in these old ways? What is it about that life and that pattern of life that makes it so vital that we don't live like that? In the futility of the thinking is what it says. And that little phrase in verse 17 is really holds a core issue to all of this. And it's related to the mind. You notice he says it's a futility in their thinking. And you know, this issue of the mind is wrapped right up in what we were talking about earlier. What does true salvation look like? Well, it begins, we see in the word of God that it begins 
in this thing called repentance. And you remember what repentance means, right? By definition, repentance is basically a changing of the mind, right? You thought this, but you change your mind and now you thought that. And the prodigal son is a perfect picture. He's out with the pigs, destroyed his life, right? But he's still the child of this king, this wealthy, awesome man. But he's out there in the pigs, child of the king, and suddenly his mind gets engaged somehow to this truth. And he says he came to his senses. I love that because that is, I remember when that moment happened to me and I just came to my senses and it was a gift of God, but it was related to my mind. I was like, and he was like, I see it now. I was wrong. My heart was wrong. My way was wrong. This place I'm in, it's wrong. And I'm sorry. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going to go your way and I'm going back to the father's house. And what a great decision he made. And that change of mind right out of the gates It's the beginning of spiritual transformation in life. You are recreated and you become new in that very, very moment. And that change of mind is what we have to take on day by day as we put off the old self and put on the new self. And it's awesome because when you're in it, it becomes this incredible, like an upward spiral. He says, remember, he says, you're going to go into Christ. And if I'm going to live differently, I must have a change of mind. So if I'm struggling with these things, my mind has to get engaged and I've got to change because if I'm going to act differently, I must think differently and have the mind of Christ about these things and grow into Christ. So that's for us that are in Christ. However, what about those who are without Christ? They are described as having a futility in their thinking. Again, about the mind, right? And that downward spiral outside of Christ, the results are predetermined. We can see how it works. And Paul lays it out for us. This is not an emotional thing. It's something you can conceptually grab. And it starts with the definition of that word futility, right? A futility of the mind. And futility simply means this. Emptiness without purpose, no useful end result. So their thinking is empty and it doesn't have purpose and there's no useful result. Outside of a Christ, if you're like making your plan for your life and you're setting a way for you, you just say, well, what's available, right? What can I use? What's my value system and whatever you come up with it's usually related to just something that's self-focused and that makes sense outside of christ right because what else are you going to do and it might even not be evil or harsh it could be quite good but naturally it is leaving god out Right? So God is out of the picture. It's self-focused. It's reasonable if you're not in Christ, but we know the end result is futility and folly. And Romans 1, 21 is a perfect summation of this situation. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And doesn't that just resonate in your heart out of your own experience? Can it, and it can happen to us, right? And I do this kind of thing all the time. And don't you do it too? You rely on something 
that is not of the Lord. You look for satisfaction in life for things that you know already. I've been down this road before and there's a surely disappointment to come. But there's some kind of a, a little season of uh, of experience that seems good, but it leaves you in futility. And it sounds something like this, right? All these different things that we, we lock into, right? Materialism sounds like this. Just starts off like, you're frustrated, I'm going shopping. That's it. And you step in there. You're, like, you're looking for relief on these other issues in this simple little step. I'm going shopping. Nothing wrong with shopping, right? But if it's filling this void in your life, it wasn't meant to be. Sensuality, right? Just one little beer. One beer. Yes, bartender, one beer. Or a thought. She's hot. It's in your mind, right? But... Where is it leading you? Gossip. I'm not one to talk, but did you hear about what's going on over there? It's not right. And uh, some of the killers. Just more ugly. Pornography. I'm just going to check the scores on Sports Illustrated. And wait, oh, what's this? Oh, it's a new, the new... Swimsuit issue. Oh, I hate that thing. It's destroying our kids. But let me click. Let me just... Oh, oh my... Right? And you took a step. And it could trap you. Pride. Look at those people. Right? Self-reliance. I can handle this. Fill in the blank. Right? Just take a minute. Think of your life. Fill in the blank about your own private vice. Or maybe it's not even private. Maybe it's out there for the world to see. But you know, forget about how people think about it. It's not satisfying you, is it? It leaves you empty. And it's deceptively captivating. And it's always disappointing. And you think sometimes like, am I the only one? Everybody's going in this direction. And they're smiling. And I look at them. They're walking in that direction. But am I the only one that just finds this futile and empty? How long am I going to go along like this? Well, no, of course. You're not alone. The Word of God says this. Thinking is futile. Your own experience has proven it out time and time again. But why? And here, Paul helps us with four reasons why. How does this thing work? There's a set of descriptions about this process. And in verse 18, that's the first set of four. He says this. Look at verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And you can just see how that downward spiral works itself out. They are darkened in their understanding. Darkness, by definition, an absence of light. God in John 8 and all over the place says, I am light. I am the light of the world, he says. We decide to separate ourselves from God and therefore his light so that we're in darkness, right? It's sensible. It makes sense. We understand that. But the problem, of course, is not a physical darkness. It's a, a darkness of their, he says, of their understanding. And it's about the mind again. So they're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God, right? They're alive physically, but they're spiritually dead. 
darkened, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. That's number three. It's not about intelligence, but it's about this, this idea of ignorance and ignoring God. And as you ignore God, you stay ignorant about the truth and you become ignorant about the possibility of this relationship that could change everything, right? So you're darkened in your understanding, separated from the life of God, and it's because of this ignorance that is in us due, number four, to the hardening of our hearts. And that's where it all starts. We harden our hearts. We act pridefully. We rebel against God. We sin against him. And the Bible is telling us here that the mind of man without Christ has a built-in inability to understand spiritual truth and do anything about it, therefore. So that's the root cause of that downward spiral into the futility of the mind. It begins with that rebellion and that hardening of your heart. This is why we're not supposed to walk in the way we used to walk, right? And Paul kind of like got up in your face because he's an apostle and like, I'm not an apostle, but I'm going to, maybe I'll just beg you, right? I'll just beg you. You've been there before. Don't do it. There's a better way, a worthy way with a valuable result, right? And Hebrews 3.15 says this, and I, I really hope you can receive this as from the Lord for you in this very moment. Today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. You were not created to live that life of futility. So there's a second sort of set of four uh, descriptions of how this thing works. And this set of four kind of reveals what the end result of making that decision to go for it is, right? You said, we said, don't live that life. You decide to kind of step into it. Just get involved a little bit. Here's the results. A sensible digression. You become calloused. Verse 19, it says, having lost all sensitivity, right? You rejected God so many times. First Timothy describes it this way. Your conscience is seared. So there's a callousness that enters in your life. And therefore, number two, you give themselves over to sensuality. You give yourself over to sensuality. You throw off restraints and you go to the next step, which is to indulge in impurity. And that doesn't need explanation, right? It wasn't satisfying the first. So I'm going to indulge it. I'm going to go further and I'm going to go broader. And all of a sudden you got a calloused heart. You've given yourself into this sensuality and you're indulging and it's spreading And then it goes right into this number four with a continual lust for more. And that's the word greed sometimes or a lust for more. It's the same thing. You sort of can't get that satisfaction. So you go to the next step, a little heavier dose, uh, a little more radical activity, whatever it is, spend a little bit more more money. And all of a sudden you're just like in the spiral and you think sometimes it's too late for me. I can never get out now. It's going to be so painful. How could I face all of, of the results of it if it came out and there's consequences? You're trapped and you're getting down into that pit of despair. And you know, this situation, this is what caused the people of Israel to wander for 40 years, right? They hardened their hearts. This is what causes a boy to hit a mailbox at 40 miles an hour and then take off, right? That doesn't make sense. It's what caused me to respond to like a drunken driving car accident to go and get more drunk. It's just this ludicrous downward spiral and we know it for ourselves. It's ridiculous. Don't live as if you were the same way that you were because you're not. Instead, and now we get to the good part. This is exciting now, finally. 
the good stuff. Put on the new, right? Ephesians 1 to 3, it started the whole first section helping to establish that the new is here and that you are now something different than what you were. And the final passages, let's just read them, 20 to 24. Tell us that same thing. Remember what you are. This is what you are now. This is where you stand. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And what he's saying is go back to your beginning. When you heard him, you knew Your mind was enlightened. You came to your senses and you responded and you came to know him. Therefore, you began to be taught in him. And that upward spiral began for your life. And this whole thing is is an opposite. It's a refutation of the old. You did not come to know Christ that way, in that old way. When you came to know him, it was actually an absolute rejection of that old way. So how are you going to get back involved in it now? You were taught a different way. You were taught the truth being in Jesus. And the result is that there's a way of life that you can live. And it's worthy of your calling. So regarding the old self, put it off. Why? Because it's destructive. It destroys you. It's corrosive, it says. And because in its inherent desires are deceitful. And I wish we could take more time on that one. That's worthy of a lot of meditation, those deceitful desires. And the thing that's a little frightening about that is if a desire is deceitful, very often we don't really know it by definition. We've been deceived about it. And we're kind of blinded about it. So we've got to be careful. But regarding that old self, when you see it, you've got to take it off. And the new self, put it on. Why? Because that's life. And that's living. It's what you're created for. And you're growing up and into the thing, this position which you actually stand in, which is righteousness and holiness. And you begin to become more and more like God, maturing and truly experiencing a life that is worthy, that's worthwhile, and is productive. If you are in Christ, you were created for that, right? Righteousness and holiness that your actions and your life would grow more and more to match the position that is real for you for eternity. That's awesome. But what do we do, right? We always get to this place. What are we going to do about it? I've just got a couple of practical ideas that we could think about together. And here's what I'm going to suggest to you. All of them start with this idea related to the mind. Remember, right? Let's engage our minds. This is not a a, a mindlessly, you know, like a blind faith. It's reasonable. So remember your story. Where did you come from? What has God done in your life? Who did he use? How did that process happen? And where are you going? And I want to encourage you very practically, write it out. If you've never written your story out, it's really critical. Think about it. If you have not 
thought about it deeply, understood it, written it out and treasured it and shared it, you need to do it. We have a little tool on Palau.org and it's just a little tool with like six questions and you follow it and it just gives you a little framework to help you guide you. If you're nervous about it, you got to get into it. This process, right, of, of writing it out, that is what he's talking about when he says, renew the attitude of your mind. This is something that will happen to you as you remember and go through that. Renewing that attitude of the mind, the new attitude of your mind is going to be gratitude. Because if you remember what he's done, you're going to be totally stoked about it. And it's going to change you, right? If you, if you know your story, then you can begin to live that story. And if you don't really know it and understand it fully, it's very difficult to live it. And if you're not really living it, then you're sort of blocked from sharing it. And that's ultimately what we're doing, right? We want to make Jesus known, right? In John 17, he says that we would be one, that the world may know that you have sent me. And we can't be used. And you see that upward spiral in place. So remember your story. Remember the old also, okay? So remember the old. Recognize it. And then take it off. If it's clinging to you or you've slipped it back on, take it off. Think about it right now. Just take one moment. Turn your heart to the living God and say, God, now just me and you. Do you want, what do I need to do? What am I relying on that is not of you? Where am I looking for satisfaction in things that have proven themselves over and over to be worthless? And here's the problem as you're praying, ask God to help you because that idea of these things being deceptive, you sometimes you just don't know it and you need God to reveal it to you. Let him convict you. We need him to break through. Ask him now and I'll just read a series of things and maybe something will prompt you, right? And maybe you're hiding from it and they're just going to prompt them out there. Alcohol and drugs, pride, take them off. Selfish, unforgiving. Do you need to forgive someone? Are you complacent, self-reliant and prayerless? Do you allow shame, the shame of your past to just stifle you? Are you apathetic? Arrogant? Has pornography trapped you? As it has so many. Fearful. Smug. Self-righteous. Ask God to reveal it to you. There's so many more ways. And you're like, man, being a Christian is hard. Right? (laughs) It might not be easy, but it's better. And it's good. And it has a good result. You want to keep going with sin? Go for it. But watch out for the mailbox. Right? Think about it. It's inevitable. So take it off. It's not worth it. And you have a new way to walk now anyway. And it's worthy. And you're worthy. And God wants to make you his man and make you his woman, a pillar of strength in your family and in this church and in the neighborhood. And you can be that person. 
And you know what? We need help. And you can get help. And if you're kind of fearful of taking this on on your own, you shouldn't probably do that anyway because you probably have some people to apologize to and you've got to set some things in place. And we have a lot of people who are dying to get help because they've been helped and they know the value of it. And we have Celebrate Recovery, which is awesome. And that would cover any of these things, right? Because the idea behind it is we're all recovering from various things. It's some combination of them, right? Celebrate Recovery, Grief Share, For Men Only. These are like just people... Who, who want to help you in this. So remember the old, put it off, and now put on the new, right? Now we're living and we're walking and living this life that is worthy. So put it on. And you know, it's all about a relationship, right? If you've never put on the new and taken off the old ever at all, well, this relationship, I can introduce you to the living God right here. And I'll do that in a moment. So if you're sort of outside of Christ and you've resisted him all these years, I would say, come on, come, take it off, take all that off and put on the new, right? And in, and for those of us who are already in Christ, it's still about relationship, right? And that relationship that we were created for, that we've engaged in, it's all about communication, just as every other relationship in the world is about communication, Right? And that communication with God looks like this. He speaks to you from his word and you speak to him in prayer. Primarily, it's that. The word of God will speak directly into your life and your circumstances. And you can speak to him in prayer. And that personal daily devotional time every morning is critical. You know, every time as I look at my life and the patterns of my life, every single time, that I have stepped into one of these patterns of bad behavior, it's been in a season where this is lacking in my life. And I've neglected my relationship with God and my daily devotional time. And I've distanced myself uh, in that. And, you know, he stands available. He says, I'll meet with you. The God of the universe, right? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. And he says, I meet with you anytime, every morning, I got something new for you. And what are we like? That's awesome, but like I'm just a little busy right now. I got a lot of pressure and you might not understand about that, but you know that, right? And we neglect this incredible, like this is what it's all about. So one practical thing you can do is just schedule that into your day. Prayer, devotions. Put on the new and putting on the new. It's also about like we've got something to do, right? The complacency will kill you, right? We've got to put on the new. There's this action related to it and there's work for us to do in the kingdom and it's exciting and you're created for it. And the fruit of that is what makes life good and it honors the Lord. And if you can just look at the things in your life that are producing good fruit, identify it and get after it, right? Keep going with it. Go for it and look at your own life. What's going well and really put into that. And there's tons of stuff around here as well. If you're not really sure, find a place and ask around. I mean, I just made a simple list. I'm probably leaving people out and they'll be mad. But, you know, when Mark and the youth group and the young brothers and sisters were standing up here, I was so fired up. They need help. I'm sure, and as that continues to go up and get better, you should want to be a part of it. And they're going to need help, so get involved there maybe. Or at the Jesus table, or at Kids Fest, or Royal Family. There's a lot of different ways. And you know, the community group, in a sense, I think that's like step one. 
to find a community group to be involved with. And maybe if you can't find one, maybe it doesn't matter step one or two, but like get involved somewhere. And as you meet people, get involved there. Maybe you'll find that community group that's about relationship and that makes sense for you. But those things are critical. We are not meant to do this alone and we need to be together. Community is important. And so let's pray. And I'm going to encourage uh, you, everyone here, to consider to make a decision, right? And so if there's basically two kinds of people in the room, there are those who are like in Christ, then we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to reveal these things and we're going to dedicate, dedicate ourselves to take action. And there might be others of you, I suppose, who have been in, you're, you're in here and you say, you know, uh, I like to put off the old and put on the new and these things you're talking about, but I have... Never done that. And I am much more like where you were. And I've heard this before, but I've refused it and refused it. And I've never entered into that relationship. If that's you, then as we pray, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in which you can be recreated. And all those things will become yours. And this is the day you will remember Mother's Day 2013, when God radically transformed your life and you began to walk a different kind of life that's worthy. If you'd like to do that, I can lead you. And let's just bow our heads. And if that's you, you can just pray this prayer in response to the amazing reality that the God of this universe saw the mess of your life and he stepped into it, into this world, so he could identify with you for this very moment. And he went to the cross and he died to pay the penalty of all of that garbage of your life. So that this could be your reality now. Changed in this moment. Forgiven. Empowered. Purposeful. With heaven as your home. If you desire that. How good would it feel. To be made new. In the attitude of your mind. And to have a fresh start. It's possible because of the cross of Jesus. So you could just turn to him in gratitude and say. Heavenly Father. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you for helping me to recognize this. And come to my senses. And I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you for forgiving me. I believe in you. And I receive you now. Come into my life. Take over in my life. Because I need power. And I haven't had it before. And thank you for coming in. And thank you for heaven. My home. And between now and then, Lord, I just want to serve you. And walk in this way. And experience this life, Lord. Help me. Surround me with faithful friends. Make me faithful to others, Lord. I'm yours forever. And before we go to the next part of our prayer, I just want to say, if anybody prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand up high so I can see for my rejoicing? Oh, awesome. A good number of you. I'm so excited. And then for those of us who are in Christ, but we know that these things are clinging to us and we just struggle to take them off, Lord. We just take them off and we ask you to help us to take them off. We put them off, Lord. We put on the new, those things that were revealed by your spirit as we considered your word, as hard as it might be, 
we take them off, Lord. We put them at your feet and we ask you to help us. Help us to be honest and thoughtful about what to do next. Who do we need to confront and apologize and be reconciled with, Lord? Who is going to help us? Lord, we take those things off and we put on the new, Lord. Show us what to do. Help us to grow into you. Created as we were created to be. Righteous and holy. Make it our life. Make it our story. In all that we do. And be glorified in it. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.